fans and welcome back to the Demon Land podcast. My name is Andy and while still mathematically a chance, our 2020 season is as good as over. For the second week in a row, our destiny was in our own hands and we blew it. Joining me tonight is longtime Demon Lander George. Good evening, George. Good evening, Andy. Good evening, everyone. And welcome to the Melbourne Football Club's Supporter Syndrome program. <laughs> yes, uh, welcome. Uh, also joining us uh, tonight, longtime callers of the show, Bim Man. Good evening, Bim Man. Good evening. Good evening, George. Good evening, Andy and Demon Landers. I've got a couple of quotes for you, Andy, if you don't mind, if you'll, if you'll uh, bear with me. One's from a, um, a, a fantastic film that um, I've uh, you know, returned to often. Um, you want a prediction about the weather? You're asking the wrong Phil. I'm going to give you a prediction about this winter. It's going to be cold. It's going to be dark. And it's going to last you for the rest of your lives. And of course, that's from the um, film Groundhog Day, which just seems like, as a Melbourne fan, we wake up every spring and that's gone for us, isn't it? The same sort of thing. And the next quote is from that great philosopher, uh, Dwayne Russell, um, who said in uh, a game we played earlier in the season, effort with no intelligence serves no purpose. And I thought that just about sums up our footy club. Oh, it, it certainly does, and we'll we'll talk about we'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, just a few uh, things before we go on. We love hearing from Demonlanders, so if you'd like to join the program tonight to discuss any of the topics that we talk about, you can give us a call on zero three nine zero one six three triple six or Skype us at Demonland thirty one. If you're listening to the show live, you can join us in our chat room where you can ask questions or post comments by heading over to demonland.com slash podcast. If you're listening to this show at your leisure via SoundCloud on demonland.com or via an Apple or Android podcasting apps, be sure to subscribe to the podcast to receive updates when a new show drops. Don't forget to leave us a favorable review to help more people find us. We're also on Spotify and Stitcher so you can get the show that way too. Just head over to demonland.com to find the links to your preferred listening method. You can follow us on social media on Facebook at facebook.com slash demonland31, on Twitter at demonland, on Instagram at demonland31, or on YouTube, just search for Demonland Podcast and listen to some of the interviews that we've conducted with current and past players and coaches. Or if you just love talking about the Ds 24-7 all year round, why not join up to demonland.com and chat with other Ds fans about this once great club. Now, with all that um, out of the way, um, well, let's uh, let's start off. We'll we'll, we'll talk selection. Um, uh, perhaps let's uh, you know, uh, th- three of the changes were, were forced on us uh, given the injuries uh, to, to Gus uh, Jones and Harms. Um, what did you boys think of the selection, particularly given the Ford casted conditions? Uh, surely they knew what the conditions were going to be like. They were going to be wet and slippery. Um, why bring in? a man mountain into the forward line where, when marking's going to be an issue. Uh, um, man at the end of the program last week, you, you gave us your for, the forecast and you did say there was going to be some rain. Uh, and also, you were 
might pose this to you as well. Biman, you were critical in the past few weeks about the high number of changes and for not making for a settled team. And I thought we lacked a lot of cohesion last night. Uh, we've we've made, and I think this was your stat that I read, we've made 17 changes in three games. Um, do you think that was also a factor this week? Absolutely. I mean, our model... We're very. He said, "Goodwin said before the game when he was interviewed pre-game um, that uh, we're a process team, not a team that plays on emotion." Um, and I, one, I thought it was a strange comment, but a process team that's all about team zone defense, all about um, you know structures and systems that are repeatable, that everyone's um, needs to know their role. They've got to play their role, and they've also got to trust in each other that um, that they're doing so. You know, this consistency of um, team is um, absolutely critical. And 17 in the last three games is remarkable. And it's not just the the number. I mean, you know, normally three fours tops. Yes, some of them were injury related, but there was still of those 17, probably a good 12 weren't injury related. Um, and you could see on the in the game there was confusion often about who was supposed to be where. So uh, you know, there wasn't just the it was poor running, but there was often confusion um, both forward and back about who was supposed to be where, you know, where and what people's role were. They were looking around at each other. Um, you know, that sort of number of changes is just crazy. It doesn't do anything for cohesion. He's been talking about cohesion all year, uh, good one. Um, and it's just remarkable. The other thing too is that um, a number of those players had either only played one game all season or some of them none. Um, hadn't played a game of AFL footy all season to bring them in the crunch game when they didn't have to. We had other players like um, Jetta for one, you know, an experienced player who knows the system inside out, uh, and they bring in you know Bedford and Baker and these sorts of players. It's just I, I just find it completely incomprehensible how they could have um, made those decisions. And George, what about um, what about the fact that? Uh, you know, we uh, do you think we selected based on the conditions? I mean, we we bought in Pruce. We knew it was going to be wet, so it's always going to be hard for a big guy like that in the wet. Um, I know that they say that late in the game, you know, the the big men don't get any any smaller. But I don't know, you know, in the wet, I don't know whether that uh, whether that uh, computes. Uh, what about uh, the pace? We bought in a whole lot of players based on pace, but in, in a wet game, how much is the the pace going to help you there? Yeah, um, we've certainly got the benefit of hindsight and there were a, a number of um, players that we had to replace due to injury um, and there were probably a couple of others who needed uh, rests. But uh, it was just simply in- incomprehensible to me. The, um, uh, For example, we dropped Brown, who kicked two goals the previous week and um, is obviously serviceable as a full forward and then we put Pruce in as a full forward and not as a ruck. Um, I thought if we're going to run Pruce into the side, then you need to play him in the middle every now and again. And Max played 94% of the game. So it, it just seems like a nonsensical decision to me. Um, likewise, down the back line, we didn't have a small defender. Um, uh, regardless of the conditions, the, their best um, their best forward was, was Walters. And um, he... He was sort of let off, let off the hook uh, a couple of times. He's a good player. There's no doubt about that. But you do wonder whether someone like a Jetta or a Lockhart would have been a better better choice to play on him rather than the tools that we had. The other really tragic selection was 
um, of the seven that we selected, the, the grand total had had a grand total of 57 touches, less than eight touches between each and every one of them on average. And the worst part was of those seven people who were, who were selected in a wet game, they had 10 tackles, of which Vandenberg and, and Kickett had eight. So five of those people got two two tackles for the whole game in a wet game. Um, it wasn't what they were there for, there to do. They were there to run. They were there to tackle. They were there to harass, and, and they simply didn't do it. Um, so from the selection perspective, I think we failed miserably. And just on that, it's a good point, George. The, um, the other issue from everyone knowing their roles was that at a critical moment in the season, with three games out from finals, it's a must-win game. Um, as I said, you know, we're a systems-based team that relies on people having a role, which they've had all season. And he makes key um, structural changes. So Pruce into the forward line. So you've suddenly got a new forward line player um, when you've had Brown, who at least knows how to play as a forward. Um, you know, Pruce did all right, but, you know, was in the wet as well. Um, you had... Um, Melksham in a tagging role when they hadn't done, they hadn't tagged all season. You know, they hadn't played um, our best tagger, arguably, in Harms in a tagging role. And then they take Melksham out of the forward line where he's been a critical part of the structure up there all season um, and put him on um, uh, Fife. And, you know, perhaps I thought that was perhaps to make him accountable. I don't know what the logic was, but Fife had an all right game and Melksham, of course, was out of the forward line. Uh, and then the other one was Vandenberg forward, who I think he plays his best footy up forward personally, but he hasn't played there all season. He's been playing um, off the wing. Um, so, again, so there are three pretty significant structural changes. I, I just don't understand the logic of it. And it, for me, it just there's been a, a theme this whole season of just sort of bewildering selection decisions by Goodwin and you know, it sends a, a strange message both to the fans, to his own players, um, and to the to the opposition. Most of all, I mean, I would have thought that Longmuir would have been all over that, just telling his team, "Look, you know, come into the game switched on. This team is all over the shop. Just look at their selections." The 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 Milksham one absolutely baffles me. You know, uh, twenty eighteen, you know, Goody unearthed a very good tagger in James Harm. This year, he's decided to waste him in a what I believe is a failed role in defence. And coincidentally, the same week that Harms is out injured, all of a sudden tagging becomes a viable option. We, we haven't thought to do this all year. Some of us have been screaming to make Harms, a, in a, you know, put him in a tagging role. He hasn't done it. All of a sudden, Melksham's a tagger. So how did you think he went on, on Fife? Because Fife had... 22 touches, seven clearances. Melksham had nine and two clearances. Do you think that was effective at all? Did it curb uh, his influence? I mean, it was a wet day anyway, so skills are going to be down a bit. Uh, what do you think? From my perspective, I thought he, he played, you know, reasonably well and, um, you know, Fife didn't have to do much, really. He played an all right game as well, but as you say, it was wet. Um, you know, the the point I think more really was that um, him not playing up forward and suddenly you've got Pruce, no Melksham, Vandenberg's in there, you've got Cozzy coming back, you've got Bedford in there. I mean, that's practically a new forward line and it, they play like it. They look like a, a group of players who hadn't played footy together and that's because they hadn't. Um, so whether it worked or right, I think it was probably break even. I, I mean, 
but why burn your forward who's, you know, we struggle to hit targets inside 50 and he's our best kick inside 50 by both statistics and just by the eye. Um, and you take him out of that position and basically, you know, go against your philosophical um, grain that you've run with all season of not um, burning one of your um, playmakers in a tagging role and then you do it in a must-win game. It's just, yeah, um, I would have loved to. These press conferences frustrate fans because the the, the um, interview questions are such softball questions, aren't they? Um, you know, that's the question I would have had. Well, what on earth were you thinking with your selections? Oh, yeah, they, they don't do that. I think the media prefers to uh, to take a knife to the back uh, on social media <laughs> rather than say it directly to their faces. Uh, the other um, uh, the other misstep in terms of positional stuff was playing Fritch in defence in the first quarter. Like uh, it's you know Fritch has moved to the back line in the, at the you know during twenty nineteen for uh, three quarters of the year was was seen as a, a well, for most of us, uh, thought it was a, a bad move, and once he went forward, he was much better. Um, it, it sort of robbed us from a rare marking target up forward as well. So that that was also another baffling move on my part, George. Uh, what do you think of that? Um, um, that move? I, I didn't have as, as much problem with that simply because of the uh, the conditions where the wind was blowing really strongly in that first quarter down there. Fritch went down there as as the extra defender, and um, I think he. It, I think it was uh, a good move in the sense that Fritch has got a, a good, sure pair of hands. And a couple of times, um, while others were busy fumbling the ball around on the ground, he swept through and got the ball out cleanly. Um, he was subsequently moved um, up the other end, of course, when, when we had the more favourable win. So I didn't have a problem with that. And sometimes, um, from a coach's perspective, throwing throwing a few odd balls um, into the mix um, would confuse the opposition uh, no end um, but so um, for a start off I wasn't worried about about that um, the the problem with Melcham um, is as Bidman said we, we we robbed Peter to pay Paul again and um, the other problem was that Melcham continued his lack of tackling he had two tackles on Melch on uh, five um, in the wet if that was James Harms, and Harms has not been playing good football this year, I reckon Harms would have had 10 tackles at least. If you're tagging someone, you, you're wearing them like a glove. Um, you know, I can imagine what a Brainerd, uh, Brandon Maynard would have done to um, given the same sort of role in the same sort of game. I doubt that Fife would have got half the possessions that he did. Um, but again, as Bin Man said, you're putting people into roles that... that they haven't played in. They haven't played in all season, and expecting expecting something different. Sometimes you you have to do it to, like I said, to confuse the opposition or to gain a sort of small advantage, but not when you stick with it all game when it when it obviously hasn't worked. And the sad part is all these trials of players in different roles, like um, you know the halves to half back. Well, that failed. Um, the 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 trials of Smith in the back line. I don't think's worked successfully. From what I'm seeing, um, we had uh, Brayshaw playing on the wings at times, and that didn't succeed. Um, it's, it's just shuffling things around, and as Binman said, it, it just just doesn't create the structure and the consistency that you need to be a successful side. So, in this game, in a critical game, we failed again miserably. I think from that perspective. Just another couple of things on selections. 
that was another structural issue I'd forgotten about, moving Frick out of that forward line. Um, you know, he's been there all season and it's a critical role. I mean, people have been talking all season about how often they go to him with that lead in the pocket. So, you know, they threw that out. Um, he went back there eventually. So that was another structural problem. But the other issue, uh, as George noted, which was completely baffling. I mean, as I noted last week, who kicks goals against us? They're medium and small kick goals against us. And again, that's who kick goals against us. Uh, happens week in, week out. If you look at um, the list of goal kickers against us, it's never the bigs. It's always those mediums, the smalls, the Wallaces, the, the uh, you know, it's always those smaller players. And we didn't have a small crummer on a wet night when the ball was going to be on the deck. You know, where's that's the time you bring Jetta back in. I mean, or Lockhart, of course. Uh, you know, it's just it's baffling why one of those two players wasn't in that side because the ball was going to be on the ground as it was. You know, that was predictable. Um, you know, we, the weather forecast wasn't as if they woke up in the morning it was suddenly raining. Uh, we talked about it four days previously that it was um, going to be raining. So it, it's just, yeah, it, it's really confusing as to what the logic was. And the frustrating thing from a fan's perspective is they don't explain the logic. And, you know, that's the difficulty of it. That's where fans get rightly annoyed because there's no explanation as to what the logic was. Look, I don't know what what Lockhart's done. Um, he should have been in the team. He's not in the team. You'd have to think that uh, Jeddah is on the outs and, and I'm not sure what his contract status is, but he can't get a game. Um, it was screaming out for that, that type of player. Um, we didn't. We didn't use it. Uh, the, the the conditions. Uh, you know, I don't think we can blame. You know, the the conditions are shocking. Uh, it, it's not great. To, it makes for an ugly spectacle. But both teams are subject to it. And, and once again, we were the ones that failed to adjust our game plan to the conditions. Uh, at times, we were playing as if it was a dry Saturday afternoon at the G. We were over handballing ra- rather than getting the ball and kicking it forward, sort of at any cost. It, it's. It seems we only started doing doing the things that we should be doing in a wet game in the last 12 to 15 minutes of the game. It was probably even less than that. Uh, and, and incidentally, it was the only time that we showed any urgency, but it was just too little um, too late. And um, our, I just thought our ball movement uh, was too wide. As I said, we overhandled way too much given the, the sloppy, slippery, sloppy conditions. Um, why does every opposing team so easily clear the ball out of our forward 50 uh, and then he's able to, to you know, spread to the unmanned wing and, and deliver it into their forward 50 with a series of uncontested marks. We're the exact opposite when we clear it out of our 50s and we constantly kick it wide to a congested wing. Like, I don't know, this game plan of ours just baffles me and, and particularly when we don't adjust to the conditions. On that though, Andy, I mean, the game plan, again, is it's built around that all-team defensive spread. Um, and what was remarkable is that we so evident, did not, evidently didn't spread. And those numbers, those uncontested numbers, I know we'll get to them, they're, they're just so off the charts. Uh, in a wet game, um, that only happens when two things. One, you're not spreading hard enough. Um, but the transition um, that the dogs did to us, um, is it comes from players not working hard enough. I think it's, you know, there's a another factor is the um, 
is, as I said, people not knowing their roles because the zone relies on people knowing their role in it. But really, zones of the model that we employ completely break down if everyone doesn't gut run to cover. We talked about it two weeks ago, you know, to cut run, to gut gut run to cover the the cross and then to gut run to cover that next link in the chain. And we clearly didn't. And what I was really, to be honest, quite shocked about afterwards, I was watching in in a day's confusion uh, on the couch for my sins and they interviewed Longmuir. So maybe it was 15 minutes after the game. Um, and they asked him about their more aggressive ball movement. And he said coming into the game, the message that he gave the players that he wanted them to be more aggressive, he wanted them to um, switch it wide, he wanted them to take on the risky kick, take on the corridor, back themselves to hit that target. Uh, and what was telling uh, and quite shocking was he said that he thought Melbourne would give them the opportunity to do so. Um, and what you know, what does that say when that an opposition coach in his first year of coaching is telling his players who have hadn't scored over 60 points for the whole season um, and incredibly slow ball movement to go for it against us, to switch and stretch us because that's the way you beat us. It, you know, I think it's it was really quite a shocking statement, really. George? Yeah, the, um, the, the game plan, uh, I think there were a couple of comments from Jason Dunstall during the... Um, during the game and there was uh, where he said when it's raining like it was and when it's the wind's blowing like it was all your game plans go out the window um, you've got to adjust your game and the way you're playing it to suit the conditions and that is something that we we simply didn't do um, uh, any under 10s coach would tell you that um, when you're kicking with the wind in wet conditions you kick down the middle and when you're kicking against the wind, you keep hugging the boundary as much as you can. When we had the opportunity in that second quarter, what did we do? We went straight down the boundary again and again and into the pockets, and uh, uh, which was completely against you know any sort of football ethos. Um, the the other the other uh, difficult thing. Um, sorry, I was I was just trying to get my thoughts here. Um, uh, yeah, was was around the the halftime commentary from from uh, Goodwin himself, where he said said to the players, "You've got to be more bold about um, the way you, you the way you handle the ball." Well, like Andy, you you just said before, you thought it was the twelve minute mark of the last quarter. It was actually the six minute six minutes to go in well, the in the in the game before we saw an attack up the middle of the ground. Um, Salem kicked the ball up. Up out of out of the full back line, up to the middle of the ground, where is where where it needed to be going, given the state of play of the game, and guess what? There was no one there to kick it to. Um, the um, <clears throat> how do you t- how do you as a coach try to tell the players to do something, and they obviously don't. You know, there's the tools are sitting out on the wing where it was being go- sent the whole night, and the, when you needed to change something, which the coach had told you at half time to change, it still took you another quarter and a half to actually do it there's something seriously wrong about um whether the message is going through in terms of the game plan yeah and i know i know the coach is on the agenda later andy and i think we can talk about it we can talk about it now because it's it's relevant in terms of uh the message not getting through whose fault is that i mean just before that we're just on the the conditions and playing you know again i think it's a fair accusation that we've played dumb football i mean there was one 
situation where Fritch had it moving it up the wing and they're looking to give it off when it was clear. I don't know who was forward of the ball. You couldn't see, but it doesn't matter in wet conditions. You just get it inside 50. And I, the ironic thing is that we've talked this season about being, you know, Lever talked about it in his Zoom session. Goodwin talks about it, about being a territory team. You kick long to a, um, to a pack and get territory. Well, that was the night to get territory. Um, and there was so often the option, you know, they even at one point Viney did kick it into the forward 50, but not before he was sort of looking to give it off left and right. I was, I was screaming at the um, the television, just kick the ball, move it forward. You know, it's, it was remarkable just the sort of lack of football nows from, you know, a bunch of footballers. As George says, you go up playing footy on wet Saturday mornings. When it's wet, you kick it forward, you get territory. It's just football 101 and... Um, the fact that they they continue to do that um, is is also sort of very confusing. It happened a few times. It was Fritsch. He was sort of on right on the wing, and instead of just going long, he's handballed or inboard yeah, to yeah. Rivers, who wasn't expecting it. And, and you know, he he got it and then got tackled by by two or three guys. It's there was another couple of things where they just weren't thinking as well. There was a, a, a on the full where May should have got it. If they were alert to what was happening, um, May should have kicked it. Instead, they were all sort of standing around and they um, gave it to Viney, who can't kick, you know, 40 metres. Um, and, you know, there are another couple of examples where they just did not not look like they were switched on. And it goes to that point where, you know, the messaging from the coach, because I, like George, thought that was a pretty clear statement from uh, Goodwin that what the plan was after half time was to be more aggressive. The coach is telling them that, um, and they they weren't, were they? And you know, it makes me wonder if there's a bunch of footballers who are worried about their spot in the team, worried about taking risks. You know, what the, what's all that about? Well, what is it? Is it is it is that the message isn't getting through? Is is the is the message no good? Are the players? No good. What 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 is it? The, uh, uh, the, I won't call them dumb players, but if they're not listening to the coach or it's not getting through, where does the fault there lie? You, you, we can't get rid of all the players. I don't think you can teach that. You know, teach getting the message through to somebody. I, I don't know. I'm at a loss here. Well, I think that's been a bit of the theme, hasn't it? I mean, we talked a couple of weeks ago about. You know, the question mark over Goody for me this year has been twofold. One's his decision making and particularly around um, selections, but also structure in terms of, you know, three forwards, two forwards, that sort of flip in the thinking, going fast early and then slowing down. So, uh, and then the other is his ability to get his players ready for key games. And so now that's two strikes, really the um, Frio, the Swans game and the Frio game, three, really, the Dogs as well. Um, arguably the Cats game as well. So, you know, you add the Collingwood game at the end of 2017 that we talked about and the Swans game in 2018, that's a number of strikes now where his men hasn't haven't responded or he's not been able to get them in the right headspace. But, um, you know, the message not getting through in this game, you know, to me it sort of unfortunately paints a picture of maybe there's some other deeper issues at work here. Um, I think we'll we'll talk a bit more about the coach and those things in in a minute. Let's just go through some other things. The the uncontested possessions, uh, which which you alluded to, two hundred and six to ninety eight in a match that was played in the wet. That that is 
damning, absolutely damning. Um, 14 Ds players uh, with seven or less uh, possessions, um, pretty damning too. And the marking, uh, 74 to, to 32 uh, marks uh, in Frio's way. Um, all those stats, <laughs> pretty damning. And, and one uh, more, Andy, that's you know just da- as damning but so typical for Melbourne. Um, the stats for disposal, disposal efficiency, oh, yes. 71.6 for Frio. Um, who aren't a great kicking team, to our 53.3. And halfway through the second quarter, um, it was 38% we were running at to their 70-odd. I think you just don't win a game. Games of footy running at every second kick misses a target. No, and maybe we have to thank the conditions that, that it wasn't worse. Uh, the score the score at the end of the game wasn't worse. The, te- the telling thing with all of those statistics is they're all tied into the same thing. You know, the uncontested possessions, the marking differentials, um, the uh, kicking efficiency was because uh, Frio were allowed to play that kick and chip t- style game. And guess what? That's the style of game style they've been adopting all year. I've, I find it just incredible that we could go into the game thinking that they would be doing something else than that, and yet we allow them to do it for at least half the game. Um, that's all about preparation and coaching and planning, and um, they were allowed to get away with it. Um, and and we, we, like I said, it took us half the game to, to, to wake up to it and do something serious about it. Um, surprisingly, then, thank goodness they couldn't kick straight because even in the last quarter with 10 minutes to go, we're only nine points down. And on that, I think that's a really important point, George, because, you know, we it would have been a complete highway robbery, I think, as one of the commentators rightly pointed out, if we'd got over the line in that game because they easily could have been four or five goals up at half time, perhaps arguably should have, uh, didn't take their chances and kept us in the game. Um and you know they were, you know they were the better team by a, a fair margin on the night, um, and that's you know a huge concern given we were playing that game for a spot in the finals. Yeah, um, but I, I, in terms of uh, uh, Goody, um, uh, not sort of preparing uh, to play against the opposition, I think Goody is quite stubborn. In the in the fact that he backs us to win that contested ball and to play the game on our terms, and I don't know how much uh, planning goes into stopping or negating the opposition. I think he goes in with the well, we're just going to beat them on our terms, but and that's where I, I've been critical of him not having a plan B, because when that plan A of ours doesn't work or isn't working or we're being beaten, our players aren't prepared to do the things that need to be done to negate the, the team, to stem the flow when we have run-ons of three, four, five goals against us that didn't happen this week um, in terms of the amount of goals kicked. But as you said, we we were lucky not to be down further at quarter time, at half time. <sighs> yeah. I'm at a loss. <laughs> Very flat. Well, and I mean that situation, you know, having that game style, as I said, you know, it makes it much more difficult when you're making that number of changes that they made. And you know, it's all very well this talk about the one wood. Well, I reckon they've left their golf clubs back in Maruchidor and they've left the one wood out, the two wood out, and they've you know got a couple of broken putters and a, a rusty old sand wedge, and you know they've 
they've got not much else. And, you know, again, I'm not sure what the clearance numbers were, but, you know, that's an area we've been beaten in the last four or five games. And, um, um, you know, we've only been breaking even in contested um, ball. So... Mm. Um, well, I talked about the tag. Okay, <laughs> were there any positives that you could take from the, from this game before we talk about the the coaching? Uh, for me, I think it was Trent Rivers, uh, one of the only shining lights on, on a dark night. Uh, perhaps add Langton to that, but I don't think there were any positives uh, from from that game with the exception of, of, of maybe those two players? Um, before positives, I just a couple of negative is you could pick out any number of players who um, weren't playing at the required intensity. Sorry, Andy, I'm not done with the negative. No, 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 no. <laughs> is, the, um, is what just was driving me insane for pretty much the whole game was how easily they walked through tackles. Um, and the evident lack of intensity. I mean, it was just crazy. Another thing Longmuir said in that interview was that he told the boys that he wouldn't accept anyone not turning up, that, um, you know, that this was a game they could win, that he wanted everyone to to play uh, at their optimum or to optimum effort, and that he was thrilled that there wasn't a single passenger um, on the night. Um, and you just could not say that about Melbourne. Um, and, you know, the ease through which the, by which they were running through tackles, the lack of effort on tackling was just, I thought, damning. And, you know, as I said, I could pick out any number of players, Fritch, Melksham, you know, the, even Oliver, um, Track, who were missing tackles. Um, but the one that I really got frustrated with was Wiedemann. Wiedemann, a couple of times, not only was he not tackling, he was not running hard at a contest. And there was one where... He didn't run hard at the contest and sort of gave up on the chase. And the player, the Frio player, cut back into the corridor towards him. And suddenly the Frio player was coming at him. And he was if he'd just kept on moving, he would have pretty much just run into him. Um, but he was flat-footed and the Frio player just went past him. It, it was embarrassing. And, you know, there's something going on if they're not bringing that level of intensity. I mean, I, I understand that they were probably exhausted and I understand that they're all factors for sure in terms of we've had a terrible run with um, you know, conditions and travel and nine, nine that's the ninth um, or eight, I think, um, different grounds we've played at in the last nine weeks. So all of that, they're, they're facts as we talked about last week, but you've got to bring effort. Absolutely. George, you want to add anything to that? Uh, um, any, any positives? Some more negatives for a start? <laughs> yeah, can go for it. As if we can't find any. Um, my, my biggest negative was actually Max in the game. I was really disappointed. I, I knew Dan, I knew well that he was absolutely trying his guts out, but he wasn't being smart about it. Um, he's, he's, I don't think he's 100% fit and that, since he's come back. And, and um the fact that he either he or the coach, I don't know who, um, didn't get Bruce into the middle for more um, centre tap outs and a more around the ground work, um, I think was really, really silly. He, he just looked like he had a set of leaden boots all night. Um, when I was talking before about um, kicking down the, uh, the middle of the ground when you've got the wind behind you, um, there was no one to kick to because Max was sitting on the wing. Um, you've got you've got to start to to question about 
what how much time he can spend with injuries in that role. I think he had 94% on-ground time. Um, Bruce was sitting there in the forward line doing you know, very little because the forward was the, the forward line wasn't up there, but surely he was brought in as a ruckman to assist Max, and it just didn't happen. So I don't know who the problem is, whether Max is trying to be the captain and lead the way and show them how to do it, and I'll keep fighting this on. But at the end of the day, if he's not up to scratch um, for even short periods of time, and then uh, Fremantle used Lobb and Darcy successfully against him, um, uh, he was dropping back into the back line well, took a few marks, but then um, uh, sort of didn't get back from the mark, didn't, didn't use that opportunity to open things up. As as Biman said before, when, when you're playing in the wet, you just kick the ball down and get get uh, distance and clear it from the defensive zone. Um, and it, uh, it just wasn't the, wasn't the max that we needed on the night. And then there was, um, yeah, you're right. In terms of, it was completely perplexing why he didn't, Proust didn't give him a chop out. I mean, you got a fella who's six foot six or whatever he is, and 110 kilos. Proust could go in there and you know do a bit of run through on that young um, Frio ruckman. Um, and then of course, you know, it was his night was made worse when he didn't get down to a grand ball, spilled it, and um, had the set to with or words with Hogan. Uh, afterwards, you know, I thought none of which was a great look, to be honest, because it, I don't think Hogan did anything wrong. I'm not sure, maybe he said something, but you know, so no, what? You know, Hogan uh, put, actually pushed him out of the way when he was heading down on the ground. Um, you know, it was it was actually good work from Hogan because clearing clearing Gorn out got uh, enabled Walters to come in for the, to kick another goal. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. Positives, Andy. Positives. positives oh, right. Well, uh, before we go to positives, I missed <laughs> my notes. I, I just in terms of our midfield, um, I think we looked um, without Brayshaw in there. I reckon we lacked uh, the rotations, um, and I think our midfield, uh, and it might be the the you know, compressed fixture that we've had, looked to be running on empty. Mm. Uh, I thought they were um, outplayed by um, is it Sarah or Chera? I don't know. Chera. Era. Uh, and Brayshaw, they looked a lot cleaner in their ball use. Uh, Clary really played like it was in the wet because he missed his boot a number of times uh, or was just too slick on the handball in <laughs> slippery conditions. Um, they used the ball much better in, in the conditions. Um, so I guess that's a, a – you can tick that down to the negatives. So if you have any positives uh, – uh, Speak now. Well, uh, one more negative. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, I was really probably... disappointed in um, Cozzy's game. Um, oh, you know, he. I haven't talked about the forward line. Yes, <laughs> all mean, over. A couple of things, and look, that one, that goal. He, we just needed a goal so badly at that point. We did actually go up the middle. We did go long. We got it over the back of the contest, and he just rushed his shot. Like he had, plenty, he had time to turn, and he almost had time to straighten up. And he just sort of, yeah, he just should have got that shot. But more was his general body language. I, I was surprised he didn't get uh, reported actually because he decked someone after the um, the play. He looked all over the shop and. Um, yeah, I just thought, you know, that's where, you know, there, there seemed to be an absence of leadership and someone calming him down and, you know, perhaps it's 
look, maybe that was a factor of Melksham being taken out of the forward line, but he, um, you know, didn't give us anything. And poor old Bedford looked like a complete fish out of water and, you know, um, it wasn't, it just wasn't working in terms of having a forward crummer. And meanwhile, they had, you know, Schultz was kicking goals. They kicked a goal from the boundary line with that banana kick to seal the game. Um, uh, who's the fellow who kicked their goals? Um, well, uh, Walters. Walters hadn't played well for weeks all season. Mm. And, you know, well, we had Hibbert on him. Um, so, yeah, it was like it was chalk and cheese our forward line compared to their forward line. I thought the, the entries, uh, and I don't know if it's the entries, but uh, every time it seemed, you know, for three quarters, every time we went into the forward line, there was three or four of them to, to one of our in a contest. Often it was we were kicking to, you know, to a small guy uh, who had four guys around him. And, yeah, what you said about uh, Pickett and Bedford, we just didn't have – they didn't provide us genuine crummers. And, and I think it's harsh, probably harsh to pin anything on Pickett and Bedford given, you know, they're both rookies who haven't played enough games. But both And both, I reckon, are clearly suffering from there not being a reserves competition to cut their teeth in. Yeah. Um, you know, we need these guys getting into the right position and when they did – they, we need them to be kicking goals. I, I think uh, Pickett sprayed one, Bedford sprayed one. We, we need our crummers kicking those goals, and I, I won't even start with Nibbler. Um, <laughs> but I also, I don't know, I, I simply can't understand why we constantly kick to the forward pocket, um, maybe especially in these conditions. Um, and have uh, Fritch marking in the forward pocket, but the wrong forward pocket for a left yeah. footer. I mean, you know, did anyone think he was going to kick that shot that he shanked to the left or not even shanked, you know, the he's a left footer and he constantly takes shots from the boundary where he's, you know, the the boundary is on his left side. It, it makes no sense whatsoever. And also Hunt as well uh, twice uh, from the forward pocket. Uh, that first time when he was knocked out, he probably shouldn't have taken the kick. I don't think he knew where he was. Um, and I think the umpire was onto it as well, as the commentary mentioned. Um, and then again, he had fun from the pocket and just sort of put it up into the air. And, yeah. Well, Andy, that was the other one that, um, that I couldn't remember. So it was the one where they kicked on the full, where they should have made sure the ball went into May's hand. Three yes. standing around and eventually gave it to Viney. So May should have gone over and got that footy. Bang, there's one. And I couldn't remember the second one. It was that one, the Hunt one. He was clearly dazed. The umpire even, he was dazed enough for the umpire to say, you're okay to take the kick. Where's what did he say? He was saying no. It sounded like he was saying no. He was concussed. Where was the leadership? He, he went off the ground and had a concussion test after that. Where was the on-field leadership for someone else to go over like a Melksham and take that kick and say, no, nah, mate, you're, you're clearly yeah. seeing stars. I'll take the responsibility and take this kick. He went off the ground immediately after and had a concussion test. Yeah. I'm positive when the umpire was asking him, are you all right to take it? He kept saying no. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> That's what it sounded yeah. like. I thought yeah, he's I, saying yeah. no. Did someone take the ball off him? <laughs> yeah, I think you. I think you're absolutely right, Andy. He was saying no, but um, while the eyes are rolling around in his head, he's yeah, saying unless, no. Yeah. Unless he was saying no, I'm right to take it. It sounded to me like he was saying no, I'm not right. <laughs> yeah, but it, Do you know what I mean. Where's the leadership to, for another senior player to go assess what's happening and say we're not going to let, let that young fellow, Hunt, take that kick if for no other reason is that he's likely to be concussed. 
It's yeah. just it, it, it's just non-thinking, non non-caring about your teammates or the situation. Football, and you know, for me, they're just alarm bells after alarm bells. I I, I think even the commentators when they saw that said somebody should be calling over the medical staff to him. You know, just putting your hand up and like you said, you needed a leader to come in and do that sort of thing. Just say no, this this guy's out to it. He's not up to it. Call the call the trainers over to have a look at him. Um, I guess though, there's probably not one player in the team who would be confident at kicking that goal. So certainly not the vice captain or the captain. Yeah, yeah. The, just back on Andy's point about why we kicked it, kicked to the pockets. It's all all teams do it. It's just a, t- statistical. It's better to kick to a pocket rather than the opposition uh, uh, taking the ball in the centre of the of the ground, basically, and then driving straight back up through the middle. But that all assumes that the conditions are dry. Exactly, um, exactly. You know, when it's wet, you put it to the top of the square all the time. And and, and that's that's where you get the, the ball rebounding and the opportunities. But Which we, is we what just they did, did, George. Yep, yep. They, and we didn't adjust and we, we just seem to be unable to change anything that we're doing uh, for the for the conditions. It's yeah, f- very frustrating. And that's got to be the coaching because the, the Sydney the previous week did exactly the same thing. They went to the top of the square. You're exactly right. All teams go to that, to the pocket because you get a chance at the reset. Um, it goes over the boundary line. You set up your set play. You kick it back to the 50 and you take a shot from out there. But as you say, that presupposes it being dry. When it's wet, you just play old-fashioned footy and put it to the top of the goal square. That's what we did for three years under Goodwin and suddenly we're not doing it. Mm. Well, I guess that brings us uh, to, to, to coaching. Um, uh, if you're a regular... <laughs> Well, posit- I said my positive. I'm, I'm, <laughs> the only shining light is, is Trent Rivers, and I saw someone said, um, someone said, uh, Trent Rivers, uh, do yourself a favour and maybe try and get back to Western Australia and play play over there. Don't waste your time in Melbourne. But I, I really like this kid, and I hope he plays 200 games for us, uh, yeah. if not more. So my uh, two positives were 100% Rivers and Langdon, um, though. The only knock on Langdon is, I'm not sure if you saw it, at three-quarter time, Goody was giving the big rev up and they were all in the tight circle. And uh, he was doing the big no-no. He was not looking at the coach. And I thought that was kind of strange, but you can't knock his effort. He was he was awesome, Langdon, and so was um, Rivers. So, yeah, they, they were my two big positives from the game. Maybe he was maybe he was thinking, why, why did I come to Melbourne chasing success? <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think he might have been a bit pissed off as well in the sense that um, what some other poster noted that in the first quarter when the wind wasn't just going down straight down goal to goal line, it was actually going across the ground as well. Uh, Langdon was stuck on the wrong side. Um, and when we kept bringing the ball out, uh, it was to, to um, Oscar Baker's wing and Langdon sitting out all on his own on the other other side doing nothing. You know, that, that took a quarter to... To uh, for the coaching staff to sw- to realise that and swing him across, and all of a sudden he starts to get involved in the game. But um, my other positives were that, uh, and we'll talk about it more in the Gary Lyon comments, is that people like May and Patraka and Oliver and Viney and Rivers um, were uh, uh, were all playing their guts out. Um, the trouble was that the rest of them 
um, were simply not doing doing the job and and coming up to meet the same sort of standards that these guys were playing. They seemed to all know what was at stake, but um, the rest of the team the team didn't. So the positives were that for me were that these got that these half a dozen guys were really trying, but to no avail when you're carrying another, you know, potentially another sixteen players in the side who who just aren't doing what they need to do. If um, if you're a regular reader of uh, Demon Land, uh, you'll be familiar with the, I think it's now 290 pages and it's probably more than that now. This was at the time of writing and over 7,000 posts uh, in a thread dating back to April 2018 entitled, Is Goodwin the Right Guy? And, and I've sort of held off on this. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I, and look, the year's not over yet. We're still a mathematical chance, so I could be... Um, eating my words here but i'm not i'm not sure he is the right guy um i'm not sure he's going to be the one to take us to the promised land uh, i know there are financials issues attached uh, to sacking a coach you know midway through the contract uh, especially in the time of covid um but for me i just don't think his message is getting through to the players whether that's instruction or understanding but in the end, and many commentators have brought this up, and I know the sharks are circling in the waters and they love this stuff, but that falls at the feet of the coach um, if, if the message isn't getting through. Um, you can't sack all the players. Um, probably do need a bit of a clean out, but we always need a bit of a clean out. I don't know. What do you guys think? Uh, financials aside, uh, do we bite the bullet? Uh, does the whole footy department need a clean out? Uh, George, I might start with, with you. I know it's a tough one, but <laughs> <laughs> it's it's an interesting one. And um, uh, if you, if anybody has ever been in the position where they have to employ someone, one of the uh, problems that you, particularly if you're looking for someone who's highly skilled. One of the major problems you face is finding someone who is available at the time that you go out looking for someone. Yeah. Um, so, what are who are the other coaches that are, that are available at the moment who might be able to do the job? I I don't know it quite frankly. Um, I think there's uh, uh, people are very. Um, it's very easy for people to um, focus on one or two sides to a coach, and I think. These days, a coach has to be much more than what they ever were in the past. You know, there's uh, psychological things. You have to be a fitness expert. You have to be a, a drafting expert. You have to be a tactician on the day. Um, you have to be a psychologist to deal with all the problems of the players. You have to be a man manager. Um, you have to be a human resources manager. Um, so to find someone who has all those capabilities uh, would be short of miraculous. And at the end of the day, you have to have the cattle uh, to be able to um, to work with, you know, I, I note how well Alistair Clarkson's going this year, and I note how well uh, John Worthfold's going this year without the cattle that they've um, built their reputations on over the years. So we've got to be careful about throwing the baby out with the bathwater. And going back to the Richmond situation from 2015-16, um, Richmond were or sort of very mediocre sort of side. They, they certainly had the cattle. Um, Hardwick had uh, come into the club in 2010 uh, when the people like uh, Dustin Martin arrived, but five years later, uh, they still hadn't achieved anything. They'd 
finished 15th, 12th. They'd managed to get into the finals two years running and thrown out straight away after that. Um, what Richmond did was in 2015-16, at the end of 15 and start of 16, was brought in a bloke called Neil Balm into the side. Um, and also they brought in a, a series of assistants and also uh, line development coaches across each of the of the uh, line uh, coaches' roles. Uh, so you had the line coach and also a development coach for the forwards, the mids and the backs. Um, <clears throat> and surprisingly, two years later, when you put the right structures in and you had the right assistants around who were um, obviously experts in their various areas and able to have the inputs into the, the main coach, uh, two years later, they win the first of their premierships after heavens knows how many years. Um, and I think we're probably in the same situation. I think we've got the got the cattle, but earlier this year or last year, we lost Craig Jennings. We lost um, uh, our development coach, um, uh, and I don't think we've replaced those people in the in the same way that Richmond obviously went a, went about it in two thousand and fifteen sixteen. So, I think the opportunity is there to do something seriously around the coaching side of things. Um, tactically, I don't think he's very good. Um, he certainly needs help um, and I don't know that the people we've got there at the moment are doing the job that, that's required. Some of Goody's comments are we failed to connect into Ford 50. We are learning. Uh, we have to be ruthless. We have to be unconditional. Uh, we have to be prepared for every match. Well, <laughs> I, I, those comments lost me uh, because we've been failing to connect to Ford 50 for now two years. Um, we are learning. Oh, come on. We have to be ruthless. We should be ruthless. We should already be ruthless. Not that we have to be. Uh, we have to be prepared for every match. Uh, we're on the cusp of, of making finals uh, and they're not prepared for the 15th and 16th team in the competition, like, come on. Uh, you heard Longmire's, uh, what Long, no, Longmuir has said, he was prepared for us. Yeah, and, that's it, and, and that situation of um, must win has now happened twice in, in Goodwin's um, uh, duration as, as the coach. That's the real concern that in these must win uh, games at the end of the season, to get into finals, we've failed against lowly sides, Sydney, Collingwood in 2017 uh, and and now in this game against Fremantle. And for me, I just hate the thought of the sort of upheaval and crisis that would be all around Goodwin being sacked. And so I think, you know, the there's massive downside to sacking coach. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know that it's... Uh, there's hardly a winner and there's no guarantee. We've been down this road before. I mean, when's it, you know, the whole time I've followed Melbourne, we've sacked our coaches and nothing's positive's changed. So there's, you know, the whole Messiah thing, Barassi coming back, you know, even Ruse coming back. The, you know, it's a false, it's a false promise. Um, and there's, you know, there's a lot of downside for sacking coach and angst. You know, but having said that, I mean, I was 2018, like most, right behind him in terms of um, both tactically, you know, maybe that was Jennings. Was he with us in 2018? Yes, yeah. yeah you know, maybe that was a factor. Um, I think we we had an advantage in that season because of our swarm 
the way we swarmed and and we were one of the few clubs who were doing it. Now all clubs do that. So that one wood thing, all clubs have got that one wood in their bag of mass pressure on the ball carrier swarming. Richmond won two flags with it. They've won two flags in it. Um, you know, 2018, the 19, I just think it's crazy to, you know, assess him on last year because I don't care what people say, the injury and interrupted um, pre-seasons were off the charts last year. So that makes... Um, you know, making a fair assessment just impossible. That said, there were some pretty curious decisions last year that, you know, raised eyebrows with. Um, but still, I think, you know, that we could see what happening this year. This year has been a horrible year, you know, all, all the things that have happened. Um, so, again, you know, that's not, not an excuse. But, again, the sort of issue for me is his decision-making. And he has not done all season uh, in a season where you want some consistency, you want um, some something to buffer against all of the changes and the, the fixture changes and the hub and all of those things outside the player's control. What he can control is the sense of unity within that team. And as I said, 17 at a critical juncture in the season, 17 changes in three games is the exact opposite. When, uh, you know, if you were to say to a club, you're going to make 17 changes in three games at any point in time and you didn't say which club it was, you would assume that's a crisis happening. We've got a full list to choose from and he makes those. That To me, that sort of creates a sense of panic and that goes to his decision-making. And, and for me, the other factor is, as George says, is, you know, the, I would count both of these two games that we've just lost, not so much the Dogs because that wasn't a must-win, but the last two Sydney game in 2018 and the Collingwood game. That's that's four, you know, and we'll leave the prelim out of the equation. Um, you know, some might make that five where the players have just not been ready for must-win games. Uh, and I think that's his main KPI. So sacking him, I don't know, that's not, that's not something that's helpful for the footy club, I don't think, but... The other problem for him, George, I would have thought in terms of what you're saying about getting the coaching around him is that there's not going to be any money around for extra coaches next season. Um, and so that really concerns me about the ability for the club to get the right supports around him. Uh, and, you know, there's a bit of theme, hasn't there, about his stubbornness um, and so you know, his willingness to take on board advice. I don't, you know, I'm not convinced that's been there either. So, you know, there's, a, there's more than one question mark on him for me, that's for sure. Um, Gary Lyon had some, uh, interesting comments. Uh, obviously he's very passionate about, about the club, uh, say what you will about, about Gary, but, uh, he's, he's extremely passionate about the club. Um, people often accuse him of being too critical, but he's just like the rest of us, you know, he just wants to see, uh, he wants to see us succeed. Um, some of his comments, uh, the urgency came too late, which we've mentioned. Uh, his question, maybe they're just an average group of player, uh, average side players that uh, can't maintain consistency of effort. Went on again about 2018 being an aberration. Um, singled out uh, Smith, Bruce, Bedford, uh, Alex Neil Bullen, Baker as average players in what is now a very average football club. He's very big on, on us being very average. Goodwin. Coaching average, uh, took too long to adjust, no passion, urgency until the end. Players trying to win the game by themselves as, as opposed uh, to the team. Uh, good individuals, but average team, again, with the average, uh, not enough resilience in the team. Um, B-Man, what did you think of uh, Gary's uh, assessment uh, well, of the club? 
I would say that as a football analyst, I rate his skills as average. Um, you know, I actually listened to um, to this after the game because I was sort of, as I said, in a stunned sort of, you know, knowing not, not, not what to think. But I thought his comments were more measured than his, the previous lot where he went off tap basically. And, you know, as I pointed out on Demonland after that, I don't he can say what he wants. It doesn't bother me, but... He's a paid football analyst. He's not a Melbourne football fan when he's on the couch. Um, so I thought actually in, on this occasion he's, um, he's uh, um, point, he was a lot more measured and you know I didn't disagree with much of what he said. He didn't, again, he didn't bring any depth to the analysis. He didn't talk about our tactical uh, setup, our game plan. Where I would agree with him and it sort of uh, I guess contradicts a little bit or uh, George's point is I don't think we do have the cattle, and I and I put that on Ruse, and I put that on um, Goodwin. That's another um, uh, factor I think for us is that we've, you know, made this point a number of times, but we've recruited for contested ball winner is the primary thing we're looking for in our recruits, um, and we simply do not have enough AFL standard kicks. And every time it's wet, every time it's windy, uh, we lose football games because of that factor, amongst others, no doubt. Um, we just simply do not have enough good footballers who can kick the, the, the ball well. And, you know, once we get past the, the top 11 footballers, we drop off a shelf. Now, that's a long-term fix, but, you know, um, that's you know you don't turn that around in a hurry. Um, but we just need to get more skilled footballers there. And, you know, as I said, I, I think Ruse has got a lot to answer for for that um, in terms of who he brought to the club. Um, so I think, you know, I think they're all issues. So, you know, I'm not... I thought Lyon's comments were actually pretty measured and I didn't disagree with anything he said, really. George, anything you want to add on uh, on Gary's comments? Yeah, I think it was um, strangely insightful. Um, I think he made the comment that we've got six players who either were or are All-Australian or in the All-Australian squad. And once you go beyond that, um, uh, as, as Ben Man just said, it drops off a cliff pretty dramatically and th- there doesn't seem to be a prospect of uh, the remainder of the group, any of those players, um, getting up to that, that required level. Um, we've got um, we've got a few injured players at the moment, but, but really, um, even in this game, who, who were the players who would, we have bought in other than the ones that we did? You, you look through the list and you've got Dunkley, Hoare, Spargo, Harms, Bunnell, Hannon, Jordan, Sparrow, Jetta, two Wagners, Lockhart, and then you've got players who may, um, or uh, those those players to me are all much of a muchness. Um, they're they're all the uh, six foot run around type of players or the insiders. Outside that, we've got T Mac, Brown, Oscar, Petty, and Bradkey as the bigs. There's, there's nothing there that really inspires me. You know, where are we going to get the forward that um, we desperately need? I think who we haven't replaced, uh, who had, who, who should be stepping into the replacement for Hogan. Um, there's, there's no Petty might might do the job, um, but he's one player alone. Um, the list isn't isn't where it needs to be to be successful, um, but I don't want to see us suddenly um, throw the whole lot away, uh, searching for another coach uh, when there are some more fundamental problems underneath. Um, North Melbourne have discovered uh, the the big dangers of that. They thought they were on a winner with Shaw, and look what's happened to them this year. Um, 
you've still got to have the cattle underneath to be able to do the job. Our situation isn't bad, but we certainly we've certainly gone down the recruiting path at whoever's direction of these inside mids and 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 glass chasers, as I've heard them called. Um, to, yeah, to, to the detriment of everything else. Um, yeah, and uh, I which, mean, it wasn't Viney's the classic one, and I know he was father son, and you know it was a funny you know father son in the sense that he's the archetypal ruse Goodwin player who's you know contested ball first, second, third, and fourth, and just simply cannot kick the football. Um, you, and you just can't do it. I'm watching. Um, the West Coast game the other night and um, they've got players who can hit a target, but also the dogs do. I mean, the dogs were so much better than us in terms of um, tar- hitting targets. Um, yeah, it's just, we just, that's a huge weakness for us. Um, but you're right about North, for instance. I mean, they don't have a strong list either. Um, and, you know, there's no quick build for that, is there? And, um, you know, I guess it's a huge Turning point for the club, yeah, it's a big thing to sack a coach. So, you know, I'd hate to see see it, but equally I you know, don't want another season of not making finals. I'll tell you what North Melbourne do have, and that is um, our, draft our, pick. our first pick this <laughs> year. And uh, we're sort of handing them, as the weeks go on, a, a better pick. Uh, each week. Um, uh, uh, Terence in the uh, chat room has said, where is Alan Richardson in the mix? Um, I noticed, well, I didn't, I, uh, I'll say I didn't notice him in the um, in the box sitting next to Goodwin this week. No, I uh, thought the same thing. It suddenly occurred to me today. I don't recall seeing him to, yeah, in that game. I didn't see him at all. So where was Alan Richardson? Um, I, I don't want to. Don't want to make smoke, uh, you know, where there's no fire or anything like that. Uh, but where was he? I mean, we had last year the situation where um, uh, McCartney was banished from the box. Was was Richardson banished from the box? Banished from the ground because he wasn't on the bench either. And I, I couldn't, can't recall whether he was in the Sydney game. But surely you've got your your senior assistant coach. Um, in the box for the you know a must-win game. I mean, uh, uh, maybe he was there and I just didn't see him. Or I didn't see him. I didn't. I didn't see any vision of him. Uh, Chaplin next to him uh, yeah. on the close side. Yeah. Who's and the guy who next Ma- to him on the ben, ben Matthews on the other side. Yeah, that's right. So and then there, were, there were a couple of guys in the the room next to him, uh, which is just uh, sort of uh, had a little barrier between them, but it's all a one open room. And he wasn't in there. And he and definitely think... wasn't on the bench because when Goodwin came down to the bench, he wasn't there. So, you know, that's a strange one, isn't it? Like the, I mean, it's amazing there's been no commentary on it. It might not have been picked up by anyone uh, yet. Uh, just yeah, the, the, I happened to notice that. I think a few people on Demonland had mentioned it. Um, who knows? Maybe he wasn't feeling well. <laughs> The other thing, George, that you mentioned is I think a massive issue for us has been Tom McDonald um, and his drop-off. Um, I'm convinced, 100% convinced, and I've got no intel, no inside information at all um, about the club at all, <laughs> or Tom McDonald, but he has to be injured or carrying a chronic injury because he's it, it's not form. Like, you know, I, I think that... I find it strange how the commentators still talk about his drop-off in form. You know, you don't have to be a buyer, you know, 
an athlete sort of specialist or anything to recognise that he's not running properly. He's our leading time trialer pretty much he's, the whole time he's been at the club um, and I don't think he um, he was certainly not in the top three last year. They didn't release the, the um, times um, this preseason. But from, I think, Saturday had put on Demon Land that he wasn't in the top ten. Um, you know, he'd been one or two every year he's been at the club in that time, that time preseason time trial. His mobility is just not there. He's not jumping. He's not getting off the ground and he's, he's carrying a lot of weight. And that can, I presume that's from my assumption is that's because he's not able to run or get the kilometers in his leg that he can get that weight off. So it, it's been a huge problem for us because he's, you know, we had him penciled in for 40, 50 goals last year and this year, you know, the, that's 40 or 50 goals on top of the, what we lost with Hogan that you suddenly got to um, replace uh, and we just haven't got close to replacing them. Yeah, t- totally totally agree with that. I think once he had those foot problems, what was it, um, uh, before at the end of 2018, um, we haven't seen anywhere remotely near near his best again. And and again, the, the, the problem is if, if not Tom McDonald, who's the next forward? Who's who's that next big body that we need? We've got a a twenty year old Petty, um, uh, or we've got Mitch Brown, that and that's it. Um, Wiedemann, um was showing signs, but um, after the last couple of rounds, I'm not convinced again. I've gone back to my original thought. He just gives up too easily. He and, gives uh, up too easily, doesn't he? Yeah, and um, if if Collingwood comes sniffing around, I'd be saying to them, uh, you can have. Have him for Brody Meyercheck. I'll take a 27-year-old Brody Meyercheck yeah, who who flat. stands up every single game. Who's not a world beater, but he's going to he's he's going to be um, in in every contest because we're certainly not getting it at the moment. And that sort of raises another point, George Andy, in terms of the end of the season and getting um, new players to the club. Um, you know, every year at Demon Land, it's let's give up our three or four of our hunts at our sort of not quite right players and package them up for a really good player. Well, it doesn't happen. If we want some decent recruits coming back the other way, we're going to have to give up a Salem or a Brayshaw or, you know, a Viney or, a, you know, they're the only players with currency um, outside of Oliver and, you know, um, you know, there's very few players that have got much currency that we're going to be able to attract a sort of a Brad Hill, for instance. I know he's not up for um, for being traded, but that's the sort of quality we need to bring to the club, which is why I was so keen on um, Martin. Um, you know, we're going to have to pay overs for one of those players. That's just how the market works. But to get them in, we're going to have to trade out one of our best players, like a Salem, for instance. Yep. I agree. And... Uh... At at Whispering Jacks, uh, um, he was imploring me to do this uh, actually last week, but uh, I held off a week. We've we've started our uh, trade and draft board. Maybe we've gone early with it, but it's there. Uh, it's uh, Demon Land's favourite part of the year, um, and we're getting very close to it. Um, yeah, I agree. I think we we're going to have to put someone big, a big name on the table. Um, I'm sure there'll be a few unhappy people with it, but uh, we're not going to be able to, as you said, we're not going to be able to package up. Um, <laughs> just doesn't work that way. <laughs> Which was interesting, wasn't his comment about being ruthless, Goodwin's comment post-game about being ruthless. Um, 
I felt a bit sorry for him to be honest because he's just he's he is no media performer uh, and his cliches he sounded tired just saying his cliches. I think I'm 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 right in thinking I heard him say that was a good game for us. It was a good experience for them playing yeah. a must win game. It's like you know you need some media messaging. You know what that was no good experience for anyone, less of all the people who are listening to this at you know an hour after the um after the game, which is how long that press conference took for it to come up, just about forty five minutes. Um, but for him to mention ruthless was curious in the timing of it because. You know, when I heard ruthless, I heard list management. Mm. I don't know if he was that was what he he was trying to get across, but that's what uh, a lot of people thought. That look, there was a lot of anger. There was a lot of anger on Demonland. A lot of anger on on social media. There was obviously there were a lot of calls for people to sack him, and obviously you guys aren't aren't ready to go down that route yet. Um, but there's a lot of ang- angry people, and it'll be interesting to see. Uh, whether we hear from the president, I doubt we will yet because the season's still technically alive, um, and surely they're not going to they're going to do anything until the, 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 that nail is in, in the coffin. Uh, but um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting uh, couple of weeks, that's for sure. And just on that, Andy, the, the, I mean, again, I go back to your interview with um, um, Bartlett on Demonland. And that that discussion, even you know, it seems like a geez, it seems like a long time ago. But the whole Helen back video series that I thought was you know excellent, um, but you know we're still in hell, aren't we? And um, they've they've wedged themselves pretty hard on what they've made clear is acceptable um, for or, you know what their key performance indicator for this season is, and that's finals. Um, if we don't make it. You know, they've got some explaining to do to the members in terms of, of not meeting that target. They do, but there is a hard out uh, with that considering what's gone down this year, whether you say it's a, a an excuse or not. They have that as an excuse. They've got the financials as an ex- as a as a get out clause. They've got the fact that it, it look it was a cluster clusterfuck of a year in terms of uh, fixturing, um, just just the hubbing, everything, uh, playing you know three games in eleven days or whatever we did over the last eleven days. Um, there's a lot of hard outs uh, that they can use as an excuse. Um, the, the one thing they don't have an excuse of was is is you know injuries and all that, which they trotted out last year, which which was I think um, which was a genuine excuse last year. But they don't have that this year. But there are still plenty of factors that they can fall back on if they want to say, well, we didn't make the finals. That was a key indicator, but. It was an unusual year. Yeah, well, Bartlett um, didn't want that out when you were speaking to him, though. No, no, but uh, <laughs> that was only what a month, six weeks ago. It was about six to eight weeks ago. Yeah. So I'm not talking in terms of necessarily the decision about what to do with Goodwin, but that you know that's leaving the decision about Goodwin aside. I mean, you've got to expect that they'll, you know, that they won't sack him. To be honest, so it would be a pretty sh- big shock if they did. Um, but nonetheless, it's been incredibly unsuccessful. And again, on Demonland, there were a number of people, and I, it sort of takes me aback a little bit, who I read wrote emails on the night to the club complaining. There was a lot of people saying they were going to, um, to cut off their auto-renew of memberships. 
Um, a lot of people that said they actually did that, um, which is, which is is quite bold. But that's gonna you know money does talk um, when when you know people start throwing that you know memberships is extremely important uh, to our financial situation. And if you get a lot of people that are saying they're not going to buy memberships, and I don't believe a lot of these people are the throw the membership in the microwave type of people. Um, it's yeah, financially, uh, you know, we're, we're not in a good place and you take out, um, you take out those memberships out of the equation and it's, um, but look, I, I don't think the club are going to be so reactive because they're losing a couple of memberships. We'll see. I don't know. Yeah. And, and as Melbourne fans, long-term Melbourne fans know, there's a huge price to pay for sacking a, a club. I mean, the whole Neil thing, um, or sacking Bailey triggered, you know, 15 or 10 years of chaos really at the footy club, didn't it? I mean, I didn't think they should have sacked Bailey. Um, and so, you know, they're just, it, it is very hard to stop a snowballing crisis once it gets into a club. And the footy media, they'll love it. They'll, they, you know, it's the, the sport of football media is to sort of jump on um, a situation like this. Look, um, it's never a good thing. Uh, we were we were in pole position to make the finals this year. We had, and now looking at it, one of these just winning one of these would have put us in a in an absolutely still prime position, and we we blew it. Um, a lot of people are angry about that. Yeah, and they yeah, have every right to be. Exactly. Uh, George, anything you want to add to, to that? No, no. We'll only be more depressed. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, let's move on. Uh, uh, how many more changes can we make this week <laughs> for our game against uh, Greater Western Sydney? Uh, George, you you want to start? Uh, where do we wield the axe this week? I haven't even looked in the changes thread this week. I don't even know where to start um, here. Uh, so where do you want to start? And that's my problem, Eddie. I, I just don't know where to start. I mean, there were so many poor performances across the side this week. Um, we, we're partially dependent on uh, the results of other games um, from this round, um, whether it's even worthwhile going down the path of trying to get games into players who haven't had the opportunity if we've got no further real chance, um, or do we do we go hard? I, I just don't know. Um I don't know that we've got a great number of possibilities. Uh, uh, Brayshaw's, I think, out for three weeks. Um, uh, so I don't think we'll see see him coming back. Um, I, I really don't know. Um, if we're fortunately, we're, we're, I think we're playing at the Gabba. Is it Gabba or Metricon? I'm just looking at that now, but more importantly, I'm looking at the weather. Um, and maybe someone... Someone who has the email addresses of people at the club, because obviously they do, because they were emailing. Perhaps they can email a weather report this week. Um, just trying to find my weather app. We're not playing in Alice Springs, Brisbane. Um, uh, Be man, Eddie. Before before I give you my weather report, what's uh, what are your changes this week? Oh, look, I think they should swing the axe. I'd be, you know, I think he's met his KPI last week of seven. I think he should break that record. <laughs> I'd like to see eight changes just because eight is one more than um, last week. 
Um, so Bruce has got to go. I mean, I'd take out the, all of the forward line uh, and replace <laughs> them with six new players. Doesn't really matter who. Um, I just do that because I think you know they've got to swing the axe. They've got to make a statement. Um, but seriously, I don't know. I mean, what are they? I mean, are they, you mentioned Wagner before, George. I mean, they're the sorts of decisions that I just don't get. I mean, he didn't play that poorly. Um, not poorly enough to replace him with Baker, for instance. I mean, where's the logic in that? It doesn't make any logic and it sends a strange message to the rest of the team. It's no wonder they're, they're, they're afraid of taking risks because they're afraid of getting dropped. I mean, why wouldn't you be? Logic says that there's 17 um, changes in... Um, three games of footy, there's a statistically a pretty high likelihood he's going to drop you. So you're not going to want to take on that corridor kick. Um, so I don't know what they, you know, who, what the decision-making is from here. Um, there's talk about Jackson being ready, I thought, perhaps. Um, but then again, do you bring him back in just to, you know, to risk injury for your star player? I, I, I don't know. I think that's the problem. They've wedged themselves again. Um, but, you know, I, I'd be dropping Wiedemann and I'd be dropping Melksham. I would have dropped him weeks ago. Um, I'd drop Wiedemann just on cultural reasons, um, but they won't. Um, and that's one of the problems of not, you know, dropping the right players at the right time. Like bringing Harms back in after one week. I, I just didn't understand that. It didn't make sense to me. Um, where does Bennell sit in all of this? Um hasn't got a game. I, I don't believe he's injured. He has, his name hasn't been mentioned in any injury things. We could have used. Uh, yeah, it's. I mean, I mean it's it was like wet this week, but jokes aside, we could have done with America kick the footy. Yeah. Um. I'm just looking at the the weather weather report for for Saturday. Uh, the the day report. We're playing at night, I, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um. A brief shower or two in the morning, otherwise mostly cloudy. That's during the day and mainly clear at night. Uh, 3% chance of precipitation. So it shouldn't rain. Um, maximum wind gusts 15 kilometres an hour, but average wind 7 kilometres. 15 um, just above our, you know, anything above 10 is a concern for me with our kids. <laughs> <laughs> it depends which way the wind's blowing. <sighs> Yeah, at least Brisbane's not Cairns. Cairns is a completely different environment, um, so um, we should be able to play. We should be able able to play reasonably, but um, I'm sure we can find something in the back pocket to upset us with. Um, just on Benell, I think it's easy, it's it's very easy to forget where he was at. Um, he's played a couple of games this season. He hasn't broken down. Um, he he may well be, and I suspect he is a long way behind. Other players, even though those other players are pretty ordinary um, in terms of uh, his physical capabilities, um, we always said at the start of the season, you know, if you get two or three games out of him, that'll be fantastic. Um, hopefully keep him fit enough to be on the list and fit and available for next year. Um, so I, I, I don't think it's worthwhile unless you specifically want to get a game into him when there's no other possibilities of playing finals um that might be the option but um i I don't expect to see him he he, at his best i i think he'd be a great addition to put into the side particularly in the in and around the forward line i i I think we just need some um uh, a category type of players up there and we certainly haven't got them at the moment Mm. 
Well, in terms of uh, September action, uh, the equation uh, is a little bit harder uh, than it is. Uh, last week, if we had won, all three remaining games would be in. Uh, this time, we obviously need to win uh, both games, uh, but we also need... So if we win both games, we should overtake um, GWS on, on percentage. Um but that uh, doesn't count for the Bulldogs. We still need them. We either need them to drop one of their games against Hawthorne or Fremantle. Um, but there's also the possibility uh, St Kilda have two tough games. I believe they're playing uh, West Coast. Uh, yeah. Yeah, they're playing West Coast and they're playing um, uh, GWS as well. So if they were to lose both games, um, if they were to lose both games and, and we win both games and we could overtake them. So, and then there's also Collingwood. Collingwood have uh, Gold Coast and they have um, Port Adelaide. Um, so I believe we can overtake them by winning two and, but them losing two. So, uh, we haven't done ourselves any favours in the last two weeks by not winning one of those games. We, we've made it uh, that little bit harder, but there is the door is slightly ajar, but it's uh, going to take some other results going our way, which uh, you never like uh, the you never like it to be in anyone else's hands. But unfortunately, that's the way it is. But my thing is, uh, what happens if we do get in? <laughs> what happens the next week? <laughs> well. It- to win the next two games, to quote Goody, we just have to be better in all three phases. <laughs> Which phases are they? Moon phases? Or... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what phases they are. He's never explained. we just got to be better in all three phases. I'm assuming he means uh, forward, middles and backs. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it may as well just be the moon phases of the moon, which I believe there's more than... Well, if you um, can't communicate basic principles to the, the fans out there, I mean, maybe that's the problem. Maybe he needs an interpreter. You know, maybe the players are just too afraid to say, listen, Goody, can you just explain what phases are again? Like, you keep saying it, but I'm not quite across what you mean by phases. Uh, it's all Fugazi. <laughs> Fugazi. Which, which probably explains why our players can't can't work out which, which side of the ground to kick the ball down because I don't know that... The, from the way they're operating, I don't know that they're all that smart either. Yeah, maybe they, they think the phases are channels up the ground and that's sort of middle and two wings are the phases. Yeah, unless it's the phases that they were referring to in Star Trek or something like that. <laughs> Power phases. Well, boys, uh, anything else? Um, anything else going on before we wrap uh, things up here? Not for me. <laughs> uh, just that it's more fun uh, doing the podcast when we win, but uh, it's less it uh, is, therapeutic. Uh, <laughs> I must say, it took it took a lot for me to to get up uh, and, and do this. I was feeling very, very flat and and uh, and deflated after yesterday's game. So uh, maybe this was a bit therapeutic, and hopefully, the listener it was therapeutic for the listeners. All right, boys, uh, let's wrap uh, wrap things up. Uh, Go Red Thank you. Thank you, Thanks, Dan. Thank you, George. And um, Go Demons. Yeah, let's hope uh, we can have a week the last two weeks. All right. Come on, Demons.